another episode of the Lineup Podcast, brought to you by two super rich bitches who are actually really, really fucking poor. Yeah, it's Christmas time. Well, it's nearly Christmas time. It is Christmas time. We're like 27 days out. We can yeah. go. I haven't actually well, bought... Well, you have to wait till December. Is there like an official countdown? I feel like like December oh, yeah. is Christmas Advent time. Advent calendars, hello. That is the official countdown. We're only really a few days away. I know. Have you got your calendar? No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't even bought anyone any Christmas presents yet, but I already feel broke. Like I'm preempting how poor I'm going to be soon. Oh yeah, don't worry about it. I literally got paid yesterday, um, and I'm already in two hundred and fifty dollars of overdraft. So that's, that is the life that I live. That's what lead. the season's all about. Fuck it. And, and people are like, debt. yeah, crippling debt. Literally, like, <laughs> can you afford to go to this festival? Probably not, because you got someone. But obviously, really you have to go anywhere. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we're all in debt. We're all happy. The sun is out for the first time in forever. <laughs> And it's starting to feel a little bit like summer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yep. Thank you. Um, We have a great show lined up for you guys today. Um, We, of course, have to buy or not to buy. I want to talk about Amanda Bynes, who is back and she is doing good. And I just want to touch on how happy I'm about that. But mostly today we are going to talk, um, well, Indy is going to talk into quite a deep topic, which is grief. Yeah, and it's actually something that we've had actually requested by one of our listeners that we talk about because um, they heard that you had lost your father a few years ago and yep. they just thought that it'd be quite nice to hear about your grief journey. Exactly. I um, As some of you will know, I did lose my dad about six years ago, so um, grief has played a very central part in my life over those last few years. So I just thought it was a cool topic to sort of engage in, um, and as I said, yeah. I think it'll be a good one. But anyway, yeah. we're heading to that first. Just before we get into buy or not to buy, guys, we have a quick reminder. We have got our awesome giveaway up on Instagram this week. It's going to be drawn towards the end of the week, probably closer to Friday. So make sure you get your votes in. Head over to our Instagram page. Give us a shout out. And you could be walking away with that epic Savar shampoo and conditioner. The Savar shampoo and conditioner that Indy has been raving about for the last, it's like, how many incredible. weeks? Um, you don't first, even know. Let's get into to buy or not to buy. To buy, the number one thing that we recommend you spending your money on this week is anything from the Pie Piper. The, the Pied? The Pie Piper. Like P-I-E? P-I-E. Like apple pie. Like apple pie. Or pumpkin pie. Yes. Pumpkin pie. Like mince pie. So Andy and I went to this... <laughs> this um Went to... A the Jack Daniels event. The Jack Daniels Thanksgiving event last week that was put on by Public Library and it was... Shout out to them. It was awesome. It was epic. And we pretty much got given this insane lunch banquet. And then... Wait, we need to quickly just refer to the banquet. Mac and cheese, heaps of meat, all very heavy American foods. It was insane. Turkey legs. To top it all off, though, there was this insane dessert. I don't even know, like... It was just a... Feast. It was a feast. Of so the fe- so the feast was done completely by the Pie Piper, who is a like, sort of bakery um, that's actually based on K Road, but they do deliveries all over the place. As you know, it's 2018, and everyone does. But this was the most insane dessert table I've ever seen. Like they literally had curtains in front of it and yeah. like there was like an unveiling like they pulled back the curtains and it was like dun, 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 and, and everyone there was like was ah! every, yeah I know the gasps everyone went silent pumpkin pies apple pie mud cake like donuts blueberry donuts they were my favorite oh they were the best gosh. that's what made me want to recommend this I like pumpkin pie really? because that's such a Thanksgiving yeah. thing and you don't get it very often no in New it Zealand. was interesting it sort of tasted like raw it is almost. raw it's oh. not really baked I don't think there you go then 
Anyway, it's all like spices. Super freaking mm. delicious. The pie piper. Head over to their Instagram so you can see some of the delicious treats we're referring to. Yeah, if you're Just doing like your a birthday or anything like that and you need catering or you need like some sort of sweet treat for anything. Oh my gosh, that place is awesome. I actually feel like K-Road in general has a hell of a good selection. Like they've also got the cake there as well. And yes. they just seem to have really good food very close to Merck's Plaza. Sadly closing down. RIP, no more tears. Is it actually though? I don't know. I feel like they've been pimping that speech for years. I'll say like actually maybe five Since years. we worked at Red Bull and we used to go. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Radio. Not to buy this week. It's a little bit of a silly one, uh, but it's pretty funny. But <laughs> and it's relevant. We well, just we like just did alternation. You spoke, <laughs> I spoke. You spoke, I spoke. We're so fun. in sync. I know. We <laughs> and it. We finish you. Oh, We're not one of those couples. We finish so. each other's sentences <laughs> almost, but not today. Uh, I feel like to buy or not to buy is always a bit of a joke. However, this one really is one. Yeah. So this week, your not to buy is any capsicums <laughs> from Countdown. Or because any. someone found a goddamn needle in one. Fucking hell, I'm sick of this shit. Can we not eat fruit and vegetables in peace? It's summertime. Everyone is shredding. To the selfish motherfuckers who are out there. I'm sorry, I'm getting really enraged. I'm a bit hot in the face. Everyone is shredding. Everyone's trying to shred. We're all doing F45 and some bastard is out there putting bloody nails and apples and capsicums and needles. Was there a nail in an apple? I don't know. I think there was a rumor, but you just, you never know. (laughs) And I'm just bloody, I'm up to here. I'm sick of it. So don't buy capsicums. Don't buy strawberries. Don't buy any fruit. Yeah. Actually, you're probably fine, but you just gotta check. Ch- you got to chop it up for anyway, whatever. Mash it up like you, puree. there have been needles and capsicums yeah. right here in New Zealand. It's ridiculous. <sighs> so that anyway. is to buy or not to buy. Moving on now to Amanda Bynes, and I am a 90s kid, as you are indeed. Yep. Amanda, 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 show. <laughs> Yes, that's is that one. unnecessary. Yep. Um. So obviously, in the last few years, she's been having a really tough time. I don't want to diagnose her with anything, but it seemed to me that she was either having some sort of mental health breakdown or drug issues that were causing her to act in all sorts of ways. And when we're talking about all sorts of ways, we specifically there was some sort of like hit and run. She tweeted out that Michelle and Barack Obama were you, ugly. You ugly. She wanted Drake to murder her vagina. Her old. <laughs> We're actually next How has that made this onto the podcast? Please murder my vagina. Um, um, she didn't even say it, please. No, she just said do it. Anyway, that was a few years back, and then she kind of went a bit quiet, and now she's just come back onto the scene. She's um, been in a profile piece by Paper Magazine. It's called Break the, Break the Internet, Amanda, Please. And it was really, really good. She seems to really kind of have found her footing. Quick question, though. Mm-hmm. She says she's been sober for four years. Yes. I thought she was tweeting crazy stuff four years ago, or was it like more six to five? Yeah, I think it was it was longer than four I years ago. I guess probably you're doing your most extreme tweets right before you go sober. Yeah. Probably. She anyway, had, sorry, that was a side note. I was just trying to play that through in my head, and I swear there'd be people out there being like, I swear that was yesterday. She didn't talk too much about the specifics of the sort of breakdown. She didn't talk about the tweets and that kind of thing in this profile piece, but she did talk about how she became... Um, addicted to Adderall, which is like a um, medication for people with ADD, and it's an amphetamine, so it's like can easily be abused, and you can easily become addicted to it. And um, I, f- it was quite sad reading it because she's obviously become really self-aware and really like it's like she's become very aware of the things that she did in the past while she was having this sort of like spiral downwards. 
and she just seems so embarrassed by it. Mm. But she's doing good now. She's studying at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, which she found out about via watching The Hills. I was about to say, was it Legally Blonde? I swear that's what Elle Woods majored in. Purple polka dots and fashion merchandising. She was at Legal. No, she was at a law no school. but like before, no, because in the US you do a degree and then you do uh, a law degree. So uh, her pre degree was like fashion merchandising with a thesis in polka dots or some stupid shit. A thesis in polka yeah. dots. That's so good. For, she had a line of full for her panties. Do you not remember <laughs> the lawyer saying? Anyway, obviously no movies better than you do. So anyway, she's been studying there for ages. She's working on getting her degree. Um, and she talked about, this was actually one of the saddest parts of it. She talked about how she viewed herself physically back a few years ago. Mm. So she said when she was filming She's the Man, um, after it came out and she went and saw the movie, she went into like a deep depression for four to six months because she just didn't like the way she looked as a, at a boy, as a boy, sorry. So it was short hair and sideburns. And she said it was a super strange and out of body experience that just really put her into fu- a funk. So she became depressed by seeing herself like as a boy. I wonder if and she didn't like other actresses as well. I think this was, was a, a really, I, well, to me reading this teamed with how she um, talked about because she's seeing herself quite a while, on, isn't she? Yeah. But we doesn't do that to you. No, no, no. I mean, but I'm just saying like maybe there was other, other drugs and stuff. She said she'd been smoking pot since she was 16. Yeah. And I don't know how old she would be now, but I'm sure like. I think she's 32 now. Fuck. All right. Isn't that crazy? But that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously she's been exposed to stuff from a yeah. young age. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like you hear people like Margot Robbie who do, you know, Itonia. Well, I'm not saying I told you it was like the same as a boy, but you know, she, that was not a very Margot look. Tanya, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlize Theron did that movie Monster. No, that's what I mean. I feel like I for me, it looks like it seems like Amanda Bynes had like some sort of like body dysmorphia yeah, issues. That's so because sad. she also also talked about when she was filming Hall Pass, she got this glimpse of herself on one of the screens and she like she was really high on Adderall at this point, but she absolutely tripped out about how bad she looked and she ended up having to leave the show because she just couldn't handle it. So it, oh my god! Yeah, I feel bad for her. She obviously had some really like awful issues going on, teamed with being well, she addicted was a child to Adderall. Celebrity. And... How many of them actually come out normal? Exactly. I mean, Hilary Duff is the most normal of all of them, and she bloody ate a placenta a week ago. That seems to be like a normal thing now, though. Uh, I'm just telling I you 100. percent I'm never eating placenta. Neither. But didn't the Kardashians do it as well? Like someone comes. Courtney's a weird one though. Once you've given birth, someone comes to the hospital room grabs your placenta, whips it away to some sort of factory where they turn it into like capsules and then you can just swallow them I down like, like a, a pill. Smoothie. I don't know. Placenta shake with almond milk. I, uh, it's all Anyway, again, me. going off on tangents. Anyway, Great read though. I definitely recommend it, especially if you're like a 90s child like me who just loved Amanda Bynes and got really sad when she just went into that downward spiral. She seems to be doing a lot better now and yeah, good on her. Add a girl, Amanda. Add a girl. Add a girl. Add a girl. Okay, so now is the big part. Not really. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about grief now. That was sort of um, today's main topic. And I guess as we spoke about before, I had a couple of people request that we sort of go into this topic, but... Also, I've lost, um, or I've had a friend lose her mum really recently in the mm. last couple of weeks, and I don't know, it just sort of brought it back in, into the central 
thing because I'm feeling, um, I guess she w- she's going through what I've been through. So yeah. you, you sort of have those moments of reflection when this stuff sort of happens. Brings so, it all in front of mind again. Yeah, and I just sort of feel like, you know, we've made this podcast all about being open and, you know, I've talked about my drinking and, you know, all sorts of stuff, mental health and that. And I just I just thought, you know, now is the time to sort of open up this this topic. Mm. So um, to give you guys a bit of a background, as I said before, my dad died, it will be six years in February. So it's been quite a wee while, and actually time time flies to think it's been six years is crazy. Um, and he was, if anybody knows my dad, most of you won't, you won't have heard of him, but your parents possibly will have. He had been a um, a broadcaster in New Zealand television and internationally for about 40 years. And I'm not saying he's like, you know, he's people recognize him, but I'd say a lot of your parents might know yeah. him or my uncle because they were on TV. Um, and he was just a really big personality he was just a really he was just a real presence I guess mm. is how I would describe him he was really good to people and he was really kind and just someone I'm eternally proud of um we had a really really close relationship we are very similar in a lot of ways um and so I, I think when he died uh it was a very big shake up for a lot of people around him, not only his family. There was mm. a there was a big hole. And I get that people say that about everyone, but obviously I'm biased. But he was just a real, real presence. Um and when he died, I was seventeen at the time. So I was still super young. Yeah, relatively. I mean I mean, you say that you weren't that young, but I feel like that's only because you're comparing your age to your sister who was younger, obviously. Yeah. But seventeen is extremely young to go through something big like that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it is. I can't. It's yeah. never going to get easier at any age. But seventeen, you know, you're finding yourself as a teenager as well. Yeah, that's that's true. I guess I've become one of those people who I'm always comparing myself to other people, not like in a negative way, but just in a, oh, at least I wasn't three, or at least I wasn't two. You know, there were lots of benefits for the fact that he passed away when I was seventeen, um, as opposed to really, really, really little. Um, and I guess. My grief has always been something that I've carried with me, obviously, as anyone who's lost a parent or someone very dear to them will know. It's always been um, something that I've been quite open about talking about, and I like talking to people about it because I sort of feel like if we're talking about grief and we're talking about these things openly, maybe it's helping Mm. sometimes. Um, So to sort of paint you guys a picture, though, as I said, I was 17. um, I had a very, very super, super close family for a a long time. I still do, actually. I still Mm. do. But we were a very, very tight-knit group. So when we found out that he was going to die, that was a massive um, moment. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. That, that sounds stupid to say that, but I don't think I realized because he was sick. He basically was diagnosed in February of 2012. He died a day or he, sorry. A year and a day later. A year and a day later. Yeah. yeah. So in 2013, February the 25th is when he died. He was diagnosed the year before on the 24th. So when he did die, I had like this year of, really special moments with him and a lot of time to sort of digest what had happened. Yeah. But also at the same time, a year's not very long. So it's like, in some respects, you're like, oh, I had so long. And I always feel very grateful for the fact that I did have all that time with him because I'm appreciative um, that a lot of people don't get that time. Some Mm. people die in accidents or suicides or things that happen really quickly. Mm. um, And you don't get that chance. So I've always felt like, I guess, a certain element of, 
gratefulness for sort of his situation do in you a feel weird like sense. yeah do you feel like when you found out that he had been diagnosed because you did you know that it was terminal right from the get-go no. so how it's so, how we were sort of told is there could be three things could be this this and this I'm not going to get into the story because it's just way too long we don't yeah, have yeah. a whole podcast for it but essentially when he found out I think him and my mum registered that it would kill him yeah I didn't know that for quite some time and it wasn't because I wasn't being told it was almost like my body just sort of shut down yep. that and I was like whoa like he probably will but like you obviously he probably could still you know he could still live so it wasn't sort of until he had um a brain tumor the first one and then that got taken out he had some second ones come out they got taken out and then the third ones were the ones that that killed him and I think it wasn't until the return of the third ones that I really realised what was happening. And that was a really particularly difficult time, obviously. Do you feel like you started grieving then instead of... I feel like I started grieving... Um, like right yeah, from the get I would have said probably from... I think I knew for sure that he was going to die in November, yeah. the year previous. But I sort of maybe had inklings that it might not be going so well in July. They'd always said to me like, oh, he could have eight years. He could have five years. He could have three years. He could God, have one that year. That must be so difficult. Yeah, Being given this timeline that could be or might not be. Well, it's good and it's bad depending on your outlook. Because for me, I was sort of like, it could be eight years. And I was like, well, shit, he's 61 now. So that'd be 70. So like, it's not super old, but like, maybe I could pop out a kid. You know, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, realistically, absolutely not. I'm pretty sure he would have been 68 now. So like, <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, those sort of things it sort of helped me in a way because I wasn't like seeing it as a D-Day. Right. I think my mum was. I think she saw it from a lot earlier and I think that's why her grief actually started from much earlier. Mm. Probably from when he was diagnosed, she probably started grieving because she realised what was happening. Right. I didn't realise for some time and I'll get into that in a second, but my, my grief was very delayed. Yeah. So um, I guess the thing for me was, you know, he, he died in February and the sort of immediate six months after it, you have everyone supporting and getting contact, going for coffees, let's catch up, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's amazing. And probably six months or so after that was when cracks and stuff started to show mm. in different sort of relationships or there were lots of ripple effects, things like, you know, um, banks having to close an account that my mum and dad shared. And so my mum had to open up a new account, but now she didn't qualify for something. And like, you know, she hadn't ah. really dealt with the finances. There's a lot of really tough shit like that. That, that you don't think about. They don't. And it causes so much stress. Yeah. And I think that's what brought on, I mean, it's not what brought on my mum's grief, but she sort of grieved, as I say, from the get go. Yeah. And then after he died, she was just like, I would just describe her as dark. For like yeah. two, two years, she was just... Not herself. Not herself. She couldn't support. I mean, she was amazing. And I really want to stress that. Like, I genuinely believe I have the strongest mother in the world. Yeah. The things she has done for myself and my brother and my sister. She's created a family where we can be super open and close about how we're feeling. And we're so supportive of each other. And we're super tight. Mm. Nothing. There are no secrets, you know. Mm. And I love that relationship. And that's because of her. Mm. But also during that immediate time, she was so broken. As... As, As it expected, yeah. That she wasn't able to look after any, you know, anyone. Yeah. And we sort of had this like weird thing where ref on reflection, we sort of said there were different times where we would each, the other three who were sort of okay, would look after the one who really wasn't. Mm. So that was her for probably about, I don't know, two years or so um, of really, really dark times. And I'm talking like you're coming home to the house and she's just in her room with the door closed mm. all the time, night after night. The kitchen's dark. 
she's not cooking, she's not eating. It was that sort of thing. Right. It was really, really tough. Um, but that's part of grief and you can't escape that. You can't ignore it. It's inevitable. Yeah. And obviously she had to grieve as well. Oh, uh, if anyone had a right to grieve, it was her, like of anybody. She had more right, you know, not that it's a right or a wrong. but No, but you know, like, you know, she had she, her time to grieve as well. She just like was my else. dad's world. Like yeah. they were just each other's everything. And I can't imagine now in my own relationship to imagine losing him. You know, and I, I'm not even married. Yeah, we haven't even yeah. been together for more than you know, two and a half years to be with someone for. She'd been with my dad since she was 21. Wow. And she was just almost in her 50s when he died. So that's like so many years yeah. of just together. solidarity, I guess. Um, but anyway, so I guess what I sort of observed upon reflection was that I actually don't think I started grieving until two years after my dad died. Mm. There was enough sort of pride and like beautiful support that carried me through the first two years that I didn't probably realize what was going on. And this sounds really weird. And I've said this a couple of times, but I want to really explain it. I have once said that losing my dad in the initial stages, I remember thinking like, because it was such over time emotion, it wasn't controlled because he'd been sick. You had the year to kind of get your head around the Yeah, and then even the two years after that, two years after that, I had like three years to sort of like, and I thought, grieve this thing. I remember thinking like a really intense breakup with a boyfriend that you've been seeing that you were besotted with and then nothing was harder. That's what I thought two years after my dad. I remember thinking like, because it's a controlled emotion. Yeah. But I was so fucking wrong because yeah. little did I know what was about to hit me two years out from that. And I guess what, um, where it sort of came from was I was um, seeing this lovely guy and I had been taken, well, he took me back to his like family home for the Christmas, well, not Christmas, but New Year's, yeah. early January. I was probably there for about a month or so. And he just had an incredible family. They really welcomed me into their family and I hadn't probably registered that I'd been missing that. Yeah. Because the dynamic of me having such close family that was then removed for such a long time just made me not know what I was missing. And then I went there and I had his dad and like all, acting brought back like, all the memories. I honestly remember thinking like these people could be my family. Yeah. And seeing their dynamic and I felt so safe and I felt so secure and like part of this group that that's when it really like hit me in my head. This is what you I did have it, you know, all along, but I didn't feel like I had it at that time because everything was changing. Everything yeah. was up in the air. My mum wasn't herself. My sister wasn't herself. My brother wasn't. Family, friends changed, you know, dynamics changed, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And so that was when it really hit. So I, you know, had this summer and after that I went back down to Dunedin where I was um, studying. It was my second year down there. And I probably went into about a six-month really, really deep depression mm. where I didn't even realize I was depressed, but I was, like, just dark. I was just devastated. I remember waking up on my birthday and wanting to sneak out of my flat and not see any of my flatmates. I didn't want anyone to say happy birthday to me because mm. I just wanted to get out and I wanted to go to the beach, mm. which is just random, Were right? you at that point like actually grieving actively about your father like yes. thinking about him okay it was like I just had this um mindset where like I just didn't want I hated birthdays because it was one year older than what I was when I lost him yeah. and I was like this is one more year and I still have that I actually every year even like this most recent birthday in March this year I cried yeah and I had to and I wasn't drunk this time which was <laughs> cool and so when my you know, boyfriend was like, what's going on? Are you, what's happening? Because I had all my friends over and we we're having mm. a party and everything's having fun and I just ducked off to the bathroom and I was crying. And he was like, what's going on? 
And I just said, this happens every year because it's another year further away from him and it's Mm. another year of life he's not going to see and there's always that element of grief. But it was particularly strong in the first sort of two years, um, sorry, after, yeah, after two years, that that first sort of six-month period. And I just remember, I remember going to bed and being like, I just didn't want to wake up in the morning and... I think because I was also living in Dunedin and my family were in Auckland and I knew they were going through really tough stuff and I couldn't be there for them. Mm. So I wasn't like as much part of that really close dynamic that I had been in the the previous few Mm. years. That made it really challenging. Mm. And interestingly enough, I remember my mum saying to me in hindsight, she was like, I actually think your sister grieved dad six months before you did. And so that she was, had a delayed sort of onset she of grief had, She as had well. maybe 18 months after he died. That was when her grief started. She had six months or so. And then mine started after hers. It was a time when she was like deputy head girl at school. Super, super busy. She needed support. My mum, I wouldn't say like she wasn't not there, but like couldn't it couldn't have been a worse time for, my, for, for us to be grieving yeah. because she was so busy and she just needed people to be there and behind her. Yeah. And my mum just... Um, she was, but she just wasn't what she would have normally been because yeah. she couldn't. And well, there's just, no blame there. It's just those no. are the realities of the situation. Yeah. So that sent my sister into that really dark time. So she had six months, then she sort of came through it and was okay. And then I had my six months and, the, you know, same thing with my brother and and so on. And I um, I definitely also was drinking at that time. So I think drinking sort of exaggerated what I was feeling. So I would call my uncle up. I would have been drinking and I would call him up and be like, I fucking want to die. Like, I can't Mm. do this without my dad. Like, the idea of living my life without this person who was such a central figure to me and was just like, he was everything I wanted to be Mm. and have. And I just missed him and I missed that closeness and I missed being able to give him a hug and, like, feel his big old, you know, Mm. body sounds weird. But you know what I mean? Like, when you hug your dad or miss his hands or just little things like that it really rocked me. And I was just like, I don't want to do a life without him. Like I'd actually just rather die so that I just, and it wasn't like a, I, I mean, I say, I don't, I don't feel, feel like I thought about suicide, but I just. It just, you couldn't comprehend it. I without just didn't him. want to do it without him. I yeah. just had no interest in living a life if he wasn't going to be there to experience. Cause I felt like it was robbed. Mm. So yeah. So that was a really, really tough time. And then there were a couple of other things like quite normally when, um, a relationship you know, when, when a partner dies and there's a close group of family friends, often the widow will get excluded from the group. That happened with my mum and that, that was so awful. Yeah, it is awful and it's so fucked up, but at the same time, it's normal. Yeah, that's crazy to me because I would assume if I was in that group of friends and, you know, one of my friends in the group had their partner pass away, I would do everything in my power to consciously but make they sure do. that they did. That's didn't the thing. Happen. Like for the first six months or so, they were trying their bloody well best. But the reality was, this massive part wasn't there. Yeah. That changed the dynamic dramatically. Not saying that my mum couldn't be friends with these people without my dad. It was just like he was a really big part of that group. And every time they would see mum, mm. they would be reminded that he sort of wasn't there. And I know that sounds selfish and weird, but it was just you know. I don't think they knew how to do it. And my mum couldn't be like a good supportive person at that time, you know, to have them their backs because yeah. she was having her own shit. Yeah. She wasn't there trying to support her friends. She was grieving the fuck out of the mm. fact that she wasn't going to ever have that man in her life again. So there were ripple effects. So a super close dynamic that I would have actually described as sort of a third extended family. 
um, that really broke down and there were some awful things that happened and that really exaggerated the pain. It's another thing you have to grieve, like Oh, that's what I felt like. I remember thinking like, not only have I lost my dad, my entire world has fucking changed. And additionally, I've now lost this third solid group that I thought were going to be there through everything and they were adults. So even though I was 17 and I was technically an adult, I was still relying on them to actually just be there. Totally. And they weren't. And I just remember feeling like so betrayed. Yeah. And I love these people now. Like I understand how it sort of happened and how those things do come about. But at the time I was just like, I just, I can't sort of do this. So that that really created a lot more sort of difficulty. But what really brought me through that was the fact that I have um, unbelievable family. And I think one of my always, you know, something I was always very concerned about was that we would sort of lose contact with dad's side of the family or the dynamic mm. would change. And I'm very happy to say that the Leishman side of the family could not have stepped up anymore. And, and my mum's side as well. The Richards yeah. are amazing too. But the Leishmans are in Auckland. So, you know, we saw them a lot more. And actually just, yeah, equally both sides, incredible. Um, but they really stepped up. And yeah. I just remember like, as I was talking about before, I felt my whole world had changed and I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel secure in anything. I hated what I was having to live through. Because it didn't feel like my life. And that's the scary part that no one tells you about when someone dies is that the reality is you'll lose that person, but the next sort of four four years of, or so of your life are not going to be on the ground in any any way. Mm. It's all going to be up in the air and you just have to sort of like go through that. And it's a shit thing. Because you never want to tell someone that. Sorry, your mum is really sick or whatever, but it's about to get worse. Mm. But I actually found it did get definitely worse and it was sort of the it was the ripple effect of losing him Mm. but that's life and that's you know you go through tough times and those were tough times those were really tough times and you come out of it and I was really grateful for the fact that one my mum had built this incredible dynamic with my brother and my sister and me so we really had each other's backs and we went above and beyond to support each other just because we wanted to but also I had um incredible family Mm. and um yeah I guess there were when you were grieving after that two-year sort of, like, delay and then you started to go into your grief, what was it that you felt kind of brought you out of that? Were you doing anything specifically or was it, is it kind of just having to wait it out? I, I sort of feel that there isn't really anything you can do. I think you just have to be in your grief and just feel it yeah. and just don't try and hide did from it. Did you talk to counsellors or? I was really lucky in that I did. Um, I've definitely spoken to counsellors throughout this whole experience um, and they were very, very helpful for me, yeah. especially on times when I sort of would brush stuff off. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, it's not really that you know big of a deal. Um, but as I would say, like I, I have an auntie and an uncle who, when I was going through times where I didn't feel secure in my home and my home didn't feel like my home, they just stepped up above and beyond. And like, I really will always be so grateful for how much they stepped up because the my uncle, who's very similar to my dad, he really stepped up, mm. you know, like he would be watching out for me at uni and making sure I had enough money. And mm. you're not, not saying it's a monetary thing, but there were so many other things. He would call me all the time and check in, or I would call him when I was drunk and I was upset and he'd talk with me on the phone at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. He didn't need to do that. And mm. he did. And I'd come home for the holidays and I wouldn't want to go back to mine because no one was probably there. And they would just say, Oh, just, you know, come over to us. And I'd end up staying there 
and my auntie would just put her arms around me and just hug me and tell me how proud of me she was for the work I was doing or you know for everything I was going through and for being open and they would help me through things Mm. when I didn't have that same sort of network I guess that I initially had thought I had when that sort of fell away they were just like there through everything and I just felt so grateful so I would say as much as I had counsellors and therapists I had a bomb ass auntie and uncle who really like Um, support is literally everything and it's just it's making that person who's going through everything that's changed because everything changes mm. making them feel like there's one thing that hasn't changed and making them feel like they used to because that's a lot of what they're grieving. Yeah. It's the person who's gone. It's the dynamic that's changed. It's the home that doesn't feel like a home. It's everything that used to feel like your safe self, who you were, doesn't isn't there anymore. Yeah. So if you can, even though realistically it will change, that's just life, having people who can sort of hold you and just feel, make you feel like you are still there and make you feel like yourself at a time when you're not, that is the most invaluable thing you can give someone who's grieving what about your friend group because obviously you support from your family but how how were your friend group at this time and were there any parts that you know you wish I don't know for example if someone's listening right now and they have a friend who's going through the passing of a parent or something Mm. ideally how would they support their friend I think one of the things that I found really um incredible was having friends who knew my dad Mm-hmm. So I had lots of friends who had been on school camps with him or trips or come on holiday with us or hung out at my house and they knew him. And it was hearing them talk about him. And that may not be the case for everybody, but for me I found that particularly um, therapeutic because it was like yeah, he was there. And I still find that even now. You know, I work in an industry in television where I have so many people who've worked with my dad. And mm. that's a real beautiful blessing that I get in my brother and sister. They get it from other people, but not through people they work with, really. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really incredible. And so I had that from my friends. It was still talking about him, making it known that he didn't just die and nothing happened and we're never going to pretend he was there. It was actively bringing him into sort of conversations, which is hard when someone dies because distance makes that person sort of less um, relevant, I guess. And I can imagine word. not wanting to bring up your dad because you wouldn't as a friend, want to, like, I don't know, make you cry and think about yeah. it. You just want to, you know? Well, that's the case. I mean, I guess it's different. I'm a really open book, so some people it might trigger and yeah. it might actually be worse. But for me, it made it feel like, well, he's not forgotten. Yeah. And I still, um, you know, like, I'm six years gone now, and I think in some respects, like, I probably don't engage in the same thought processes that I used to with my grief. So in the early stages, there was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of like anger, which they talk about is really normal. Um, And then, but, but it's not all necessarily happening. You know, you don't just have sadness and then it stops and then you're angry. It's comes in different patches. And those, those emotions are probably more at the forefront in the early years. Whereas now I sort of look at it and I, I feel like I'm quite comfortable talking about it. Um, sometimes it can get emotional, but even right now, like I'm probably not engaging in those emotions because I'm here, I'm hosting a show, I'm not yeah. going there. So I can talk about it sort of logically and realistically. And I think you get more to that stage as time goes on. In the early stages, it's still very sensitive and it's delicate because it it's you, raw. Obviously, yeah. But it is still, I think, important to talk about it. So if you do have you know, a friend going through it, try and bring it up. They might not want to, and if they don't, respect that. Because everyone's grief is different. Yeah, That's the biggest thing. Like. I'm talking about my experience, but there is absolutely no right or wrong way to do it. And you own your grief. Your grief is yours. And 
fuck anybody else who tries to tell you how to do it. Yeah. And I think that's a really important message. Just just let them be. If they're being a bit of a shit, let them be a bit of a shit. They're, they're, there's a lot of pain going on, I think. Mm. Um, there's a lot of pain going on in, inside. And, you know, I guess, and this is a really interesting point. So one of the girls that said to me, would you talk about this podcast, you know, about grief, she brought up that she'd had a family member die very recently and she brought up that very, a lot of the time at the moment she's feeling like a great sense of pride mm. about that person. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I resonate with that completely because that is the beautiful thing, I think. There is a lot of negatives, obviously, about losing someone really close to you. But I also feel like there's some really beautiful positives and the fact that I have so much pride in the person my dad was. The mm. legacy he left me and my brothers and my sisters is so beneficial. Even still, I have people doing me favours. You know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, no, we'll definitely do something. Yeah, I knew your dad. He was such a good man. He mm. was such a kind man. And that's sort of the resounding sort of messages that keep coming through. It has is, a legacy that really is living on. But it, that's the thing. Like, that's a legacy that does live on because what he did for other people has meant they're prepared to do something for me. Mm. And I think that's a really good reminder for us that, like, you should treat people well because you don't know the situation. Your family will be left in after you go. If you're good to people, they'll be good to you. And mm. if you're a shit, they'll judge you on that. Um, so it was an interesting time because I did talk very recently about the fact that I had a friend whose mum passed away over the weekend. Well, last week we went to the funeral quite recently. And um, my cousin sang at the funeral. Mm. And he also sang at my dad's funeral. And I've been to lots of funerals and they're the sort of thing that you do get used to in a weird sense. I've been to a lot of funerals actually, come to think of it. But... Um, that really surprisingly triggered me when I was there over the weekend. Hearing because, your cousin sing? Yeah, because I didn't even know this person's mum. I just knew her. Mm. And I was standing there hearing beautiful words about what an incredible person she was. And I you know, was reflecting and, and thinking about her and her family. And then they said, okay, now it's time for Paddy Leishman. He's going to be singing the song. And he was singing a song. And it was in that moment that I really went back to my dad's funeral. Mm. And I went back to that. I guess it's just a, a place or a moment that will always be in my memory. Mm. And, it, and it's happened, you know, it has happened at a couple of times. I've been to funerals at the same place where his was held um, or with people who have lost and it's parents. Just and those, there's back. sort of like a few things that really just bring it back, and that was one of them. And that really brought it to the forefront, which was important because I don't feel like I really engage, as I said, in that emotionally as much as I used to. Mm. Not because I'm trying to sweep it under the rug, but just because. That's sort of been my process of grief. It's not as... And I don't imagine bringing it up, br like bringing those emotions up fully and really getting upset yeah. all the time can be healthy. Yeah. I mean, obviously... It's, yeah. I mean, I think you it's... do it. You just feel how you can't you do feel, it every day. You have to be able to live your life and move on. Yeah. But I think that's the natural progression of grief as well. Like, the reality is people die and eventually it can still be painful and there can still be a lot of hurt when you really focus on that but. I think that might be the numbingness of, of grief. The further away it sort of gets. It's like a really, um, I don't know, I don't really want to, again, compare it to a breakup because that's sort of making it not seem as serious. But time really does, I think, help. What's really helped me, yeah. perhaps not in every situation um, it has, but I definitely found like that it helped me. Another thing I just wanted to bring up as well, um, and I think this is a really important message for anybody who's going through the loss of someone very close to them is, don't pretend like it's nothing mm. because I have this sort of mentality, I guess, or I've had it in the past where I sort of was like, okay, like it's been five years, probably just like 
you know, not get over it, but just it's been five years, you've grieved, you've been emotional, you've moved into the acceptance stage, not knowing that at different difficult parts of my life, for whatever reason, might be a shitty job, bad relationship, whatever, those feelings would often come back up and Mm -hmm. those are the times when you really have that. And I remember my mum saying to me, when you were little and you would lie in bed, you were always, you know, worried about two things. Either the house was going to burn down, there was going to be a fire, Mm. or that your mum or your dad was going to die. And those were the two fears. And then that fear came true. And you don't just get away from that stuff unscathed. You know, Mm. people lose parents and family members and stuff all the time. But we should really treat it as though we are still in that slim majority because the reality is, like, it will totally change the sort of person you are. I'm definitely... The sort of person who now in relationships, I really need a man who um, can also make me feel secure because I don't have that same masculine sort of security that I used to. And I, I'm not getting it from, you know, I don't really have relationships with any of, well, I do, but not super close as they used to be with my dad's friends. So I'm not hanging around 60 something year old men anymore. Yeah. So those relationships all break down. So I needed a, a man who would step up and actually support that side. Mm. That seems kind of intense for someone, you know, like in your early days and you're sort of like, well, shit, I've only been with you for six months and you're already needing this shit. But that's something that I'm always going to need. And, yeah. a, and, you know, and my partner is someone who can actually be that secure and be that man because yeah. I've lost that. Yeah. So that's, and I think so, you know, you'll have different things for each of you, but hold on to those and just know that like, you don't need to be apologetic about asking what you've been through is really fucking tough. Mm. Don't expect it's not going to fuck you up or, you know, just don't expect yourself to come off unscathed because you're just not going to. So don't be so hard on yourself. Um, That's a nice thing to think about. Don't be so hard on yourself because I think that, I, I mean, I haven't gone through the situation, but I can imagine that there's a bit of pressure to like grieve fast and then move on. Yeah. You know, when you think about, for example, if you've got a job and a family member dies, what do you get? Like three days bereavement leave I know, or three something days ridiculous? Is so fucked up. And how are but you I supposed guess, I guess to? I guess like in some respects, like I, my dad died on a Monday. His funeral was the Friday. The following Monday, I started university, which yeah. seems kind of well, weird. I can but it was good, good to, to get to you going. So I think in some circumstances, maybe if it's not a sudden thing, yeah. it's actually probably good to have a, something to get you in a routine. But it's just expecting, you know, even says like, oh, you know, grief, um, you know, you have sort of two years of intense and then it's sort of done. Well, it didn't start till two years. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. It's not but a linear timeline. There, it just isn't. It's just, it's just really important, I think, not to judge yourself and to learn what you are, what's, what's, um, how it's impacted you and be okay with that, you know, mm. and not, not treat yourself like shit and think, oh, fuck, I don't deserve to have a really good support person or I don't deserve to be maybe a little bit clingy or need a bit of financial support or whatever it is Mm. because you have lost that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, yeah, the most important thing is grieve your own fucking way. However you want to grieve, you grieve. There is no set timeline. You're not necessarily going to feel anger in this moment and sadness in this moment, then, you know, denial. Like I went through a stage where I remember thinking like after straight after my dad died, I'd be like, sort of felt like, he was in like a witness protection program and I was going to see him in 30 years. That's how I, you know, for the first time I felt his energies around me. I still felt he was there, just I couldn't talk to him. Mm. And then I'd have dreams about him and I'd feel, you know, I have conversations even now. Sometimes I'll have dreams and we'll talk about um, 
stuff in my dreams. So it won't even be particularly topical, yeah. you know, relevant stuff, but I know him well enough to know what his answers would be. So those are the beautiful moments I would uh, I would get. So I just think, you know, when it comes to losing someone, if you have the time and that person's, you know, maybe not dying immediately, take the time to really let that person know what they mean. Don't be too proud. Don't be too like, oh, we don't talk about those things because it's really important and I feel eternally grateful. And I think that's probably why I have a reasonably positive outlook on all Mm. of this was because I had all these beautiful moments lying on my bed with my dad, holding his hand, Mm. me saying I'm really scared, him saying I'm scared too. Mm. Those sort of moments. That's been actually a very sort of helpful thing in, in processing my grief was knowing that. I had this incredible man, but he died knowing what an incredible person he was and how many Mm. people he impacted and how many people loved him and what a legacy he was leaving his family behind. So I, yeah, I just love love your family, look after them, have those conversations, be open and, yeah. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Sorry, they got really dark and deep. It's like so emotional. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) It'll be different. Like it always is. If you lost a parent tomorrow which god bless we hope that doesn't happen but i'm just saying if it does your experience could be totally different to mine people listening might say i don't really agree with any of that you don't have to it's It's your story everyone has their own yeah but thanks for sharing i'm sure that's going to be helpful for either people who have experienced it or may experience it soon and yeah and what's coming up (sighs) well that was really nice thanks lil thanks indy Should we wrap it up then? I think it's time to wrap up. Okay. Let's try and take it on a positive note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's never sing again. Thanks. For, I feel like you sing every podcast episode. And I'm do. not even good. So I don't know why I do it. And you sing like and then you go, whoops, thing. I should have done that. Yeah. And I'm like, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was so bad. Everyone's like, okay, shut Indy, up. Okay, stop it. Okay, write it in. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Indy, for sharing. Um, and Make sure to tune in the next couple of weeks. We've got some amazing guests joining yes. us on the podcast. Really, you will want to listen. These are two super incredible ladies. And we've only got a few weeks left mm. before the end of the year. Only three more episodes after today's one before the end of the year. So cray, cray. either compile them all for once for some uh, nice bulk summer listening, <laughs> which is always good. Um, so anyway, yeah, make sure that you hit subscribe and you give us a five-star rating and maybe even a review if you feel like it. And of course, share us on social media because that's awesome and a Don't great forget about our giveaway. to get the word out. And yes, we've got the giveaway going on on our Instagram right now at the lineup podcast, which is also where you can reach us. Beautiful. See you, See you all week. next week. Bye. Bye.